Our Old Testament reading for this morning is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, though in the insert to the bulletin, it has been brought to my attention that it actually says Exodus. That's a misprint. It is from Isaiah 59, 21. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written, and as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit which is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your children or out of the mouth of your children's children, saith the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians in the 15th chapter, beginning at verse 15 and continuing through verse 20. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written, Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Live wisely. Do not live as the unwise. Do not be foolish, but live according to God's will for you. Do not fill yourself with earthly spirits that end in drunkenness, but be filled instead with the Holy Spirit of God. Sing praises, both loud and silent, and give thanks always for all the things the Lord Jesus Christ has done, is doing, and will do for you. Amen and amen. I could probably just end the sermon right there. Essentially, that's Paul, what he did. But to be fair to Paul and to you, that wasn't the entire text of his letter, he did say more than that, both before and after these words, what I believe I have been entrusted to do with the remainder of my time this morning is to take this exhortation from 2,000 years ago and bring it into the present, into our lives, into our community, into our congregation, and through it, out into the world. This seems like an auspicious day to engage in such gladsome work as part of our service today involves a baptism, also done in accordance with the mandate and following the example of the New Testament. It is not hard at all to be thankful on a day such as this one as we show our gratitude to God for the gift of new life by very publicly committing that new life back to our Heavenly Father and sealing the baby with the sign of the covenant 
that this God has made with his children. We are reminded this day to remember our own baptism. And whether we are old enough to remember what happened then, or whether we were not old enough at the time to remember what took place on that day, we can still look back on the event and reflect upon our own entrance into the community of faith and obediently, freely give thanks. The giving of thanks is done both by what we say and by what we do. The very act of baptism is a sign of our gratitude as parents and as a congregation, for we are being obedient to the express will of our Creator. We are demonstrating a sign of our love for Him because, as we reflected upon last week, He has first drawn us to Himself. Living obediently is, is not only an act of gratitude, but it is a sign of wisdom as the divine will is perfect and has invited us to subject our own wills to it. This is the way that humans were designed to operate, but all too often we've gone our own way in obedience not to the will of God, but in accordance with the will of man, with the will and the wiles of the enemy, temporarily anesthetizing ourselves against the pain of this world, rather than seeking lasting healing and wholeness from the one source that can provide it. Too often, we're distracting ourselves from the cares and the demands and the unpleasantries of our daily routines instead of reorienting those routines to align with God's revealed plan for us. So engrossed are we in the cares and the burdens of the mundane that we fail to gratefully use the time, the talents, and the treasure that we have been gifted, not for selfish ends, but rather for the manifestation of his kingdom and to the glory of God. Do not be foolish, warns Paul. I don't suppose that he would have issued such a warning as this to his brothers and sisters in Ephesus if he didn't think that at least some of them were acting just this way. And biblical scholars have reason to believe that sometime subsequent to the Christian community in that place receiving and accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ, another competing gospel had been winsomely presented and had swayed at least some of the early converts, enough so that Paul was genuinely concerned for the spiritual welfare of the whole region. The more things change, it seems, the more they stay the same. For in our world, we still have plenty of competing gospels and plenty of ways for them to spread, perhaps more now than at any time before in our history. In that regard, then it may be even more of a challenge for believers in our own day to discriminate between the false narratives of the powers and principalities and the true narrative of the story of God. But through it all, we have been blessed to be recipients of an ongoing self-revelation of the truth. To his covenant people, God has given his holy word and his holy presence. From the tablets on Sinai, 
and a smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night in the wilderness, to his string of prophets that he had sent to his people, both in the land that he had promised them and while they were in exile, to his ultimate act of self-revelation in the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of his son Jesus, who then sent the Holy Spirit as the divine continuing comforter. God has chosen not to remain hidden, but rather to make himself known to his creation, reminding us over and over again that we don't live alone and we don't live apart from God. As we read again together earlier, the psalmist speaks for us all when he observes, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shale, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me and what's more, God not only desires what we should know, that we should know, who He is, but that within the limits of human intellect and imagination, that we should come to know what He is. To appreciate and to appropriately respond to the nature of God. Again, as Paul saw himself with the believers in Ephesus, the world has weighed in with its own superstitions, simplistic, sarcastic, and even hostile popular opinions concerning the nature of God, many of which continue to be propagated and amplified in our own time. We've heard many of them, and you, you little happy rose, you too will hear many of them as you grow, which is why, in part, I think, we are invited, we are urged as part of a baptismal ceremony to remember, to remember that we have been claimed by God, the God revealed in Scripture. We have been claimed as the children that we are, that His is the voice of ultimate truth and authority, the voice that rises above all other voices that will call to us. It is the only voice that we knew before our beginning and we will continue to know after our end. Even today, when we ignore or deny it, this is the one voice that continues to speak the truth in love, bearing witness to the nature of our benevolent Creator, one who cares for us more than we are capable of caring for ourselves, one who made us and gave himself for us even while we continue to rebel in sin and reject his sacrifice. Yet, on he speaks and on he loves. We have never deserved such benevolent care and we do not deserve it still. Though that hasn't stopped the God intent on maintaining a relationship with that which he created and declared to be good and very good. So thanks. That is the native language that we have been given in which to respond. It is planted in our hearts and our minds. It is on our tongues and our lips. Obedient thankfulness 
is living in accord with God's will, even and most especially when it is in opposition to our own. The will of the flesh, as Paul called it. Obedient thankfulness is living after the example of Jesus, whose own will he also made subservient to the fathers, saying, not my will, but yours be done. And it was. And it was not pleasant for Jesus, but it was through that act of obedient thankfulness that the entire world was to receive her pardon from the weight of all the sin that we had piled upon ourselves. You will continue to be amazed, little Hadley Rose, how much your parents love you. You will also discover as you grow that you don't always understand nor the reasons for the decisions that they make on your behalf. But don't forget that first part. What they do, they do out of love for you. God lives and cares for us. He loves us in ways that are hard to imagine. In another of his letters, Paul writes, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are the judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. That's where trust and faith come in. We are baptized, not as part of a private ceremony, but in a very public setting, in the midst of a congregation. Those gathered with the family are the extended family of the household of faith. Part of what that fellowship is promising this day is to assist, to assist in the raising up of the newly baptized to grow into just this sort of trust and faith that our belief requires, even as we too are growing in fits and starts, often two steps ahead and one step back in the knowledge and the wisdom of the children of God. Knowledge and wisdom that enable us to discern how to live not as unwise, but to understand what the will of the Lord is, that we might respond with the sort of obedient thankfulness which he desires and deserves. The same sort of obedient love that was offered on display by our dear Savior Jesus. The same sort of obedient thankfulness which is on display here this morning as John and Brittany have responded to the call to dedicate the life of their precious child back to God who has so tenderly bestowed this life into their care and stewardship. This is the call of and the wise response to obedient love. A timeless message from the heart, from a timeless God, a timeless response from a grateful people who gladly exclaim in word 